Welcome to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers to reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Marketed Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we're proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores, and the majority of our purchases support a robust regional food system. And Marketed Choice just helped open this beautiful facility down in the Eugene area where they have indoor basketball courts and all sorts of activities for people and families to come and be healthy and exercise. Oh, did that just happen? Yeah, I just saw it. They just like finished it and got it open. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, um, thanks, Market of Choice. We'll put a link into that facility so people can check it out. I haven't heard of it, so I'll look it up and, and yeah. link it. It's cool. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. Thanks for joining us as he, we hear stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. We're glad that you joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and each still calling in for the show. Since we're a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope and inspiration for all of our food friends out there. And I have a little bit of food news today, Sarah. I know um, you and I talked about it, but one of our past guests, uh, Lisa Tran from Tantan Foods, had a beautiful feature in the Whalebone magazine. And so uh, people can order Whalebone magazine um, at the website and you can listen to episode 26 to hear more about Lisa and her family and you can also order their food from their deli in Beaverton Tantan and we're so honored to help tell stories to makers and we were contacted by them to recommend um, someone's story for the magazine so we did and they did a beautiful four-page spread on her and her family and their their food that and is journey. wonderful yeah so it's so cool and we were really excited that they did that uh we if you want to us to help spread the word about any news awards events or anything that you have going on you can get in touch with us either through our instagram Sonia marshall or uh go to startupradionetwork.com and go to the connect and you can send us a message there please did you, do yeah did you have any food news sarah or anything you wanted to talk about for the week the only food news I have is that I, my daughter and I made like 25 jars of pickled beans and um, carrots and pickles. I so saw we, that. You've been a canning mm -hmm. queen this week. Yeah. And I used that beautiful canning pot you gave me. 
Oh yeah. Oh, the jam awesome. pot. The jam pot. It's great for anything really. Are you liking it? I love that pot. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I take it out of the cover and I go, I'm so lucky to know Sarah Marshall. She gave me this pot for my birthday. <laughs> Well, then you can have it for every time that you can. You'll think of me and that makes me pretty excited. I am going to think of you every time I can. You're exactly right. Well, we have a really wonderful guest scheduled today. So I'm excited yes. to get her on the air. We're joined today by our pal, Anna Hendricks. Anna is the owner and operator of Sweetheart St. John's, a boutique pastry company. And she is the maker of the most beautiful cakes and pastries. Ever. Welcome. Yeah, the most beautiful ever. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Welcome, Anna. We're so glad you could join us today. Hi. You know what I realized? I think I just said your last name wrong. Yeah, you put a D in there. <laughs> I put a D in there because I think there's a gin that's Hendrix gin, right? Oh, no. She's yeah. related to Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> I wish, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm always like, sure, it's with a D. <laughs> Hi. 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 We're so glad you're here. Uh, we want to help connect you to any of our listeners and other makers. So can you tell us your social media handles and ways that people can find you? Yeah. Um, I am at Sweetheart St. John's on Instagram. Um, can you hear me? Sorry. Oh yes. yeah, we can totally hear you. Okay, Rad. For some reason my stuff is going all blanky. Okay, sorry. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yay! And that's how usually people find me. Um Perfect. and yeah, I have a uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. And then you can always go to the website sweetheartstjohns.com to uh, you know, place an order or just contact me in general. Awesome. And before we talk about um your history and what got you into doing what you do. I wanted to talk a little bit about the here and now, because I know yeah. that, that a lot has changed for you recently yeah. with all of the, probably I'm guessing all of your weddings were canceled. You normally make these wonderful, beautiful wedding yeah. cakes. So we yeah. talk, talk a little bit about what's going on with your business and how you've had to pivot. Yeah, so um, typically during the summer and fall, I do weddings every single weekend. Um, and that's kind of the bulk of my revenue. So when COVID happened and we weren't allowed to hold uh, large events, um, and obviously we want everyone to be safe and weddings are very large events. Yeah, um, yeah I just kind of watched my inbox fill with cancellations and um, I panicked for like about a week. <laughs> as everyone has. And I think we're all still panicking a little bit, but, um, and I kind of thought back through my business and how have I connected with people in the past? Like what's working and what were the roots of why I started this? Um, so I started sweetheart as like a pastry share program, but no one knew who I was <laughs> and no one knew, um, what I made or anything about me. Um, and I knew that I had something to offer people, but, I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about anything um, except for how to make beautiful food that tastes really great. Um, so I decided to bring back the pastry shares, which kind of were a clunker in the beginning of my business and pivoted me towards weddings. Um, but yeah, in the end became my saving 
grace for COVID. So I do weekly share boxes, like a CSA, like a community supported agriculture share, but it's pastries and uh, deliver them all over Portland and the surrounding area. Um, and that's how I've been able to kind of salvage my summer. Most of my weddings have rescheduled to 2021, but I mean, who even knows if we're going to be doing them next year in all honesty. So I'm just grateful for everyone who's continued to order birthday cakes and shares for me and cookies. Um, I don't know what I do. Otherwise my business would be closed to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think you did a really good job of pivoting it and pivoting it quickly. I mean, I, you know, I was worried about you immediately and I feel like right, right, right away you had your CSA up and going. And I think that's really great that you were able to do it and that, um, you know, people can find you and we hope that more people find you and remember hey, that even though do. it's not, not, not a big event, people can order cakes from you for, it doesn't have to be yeah. for a big wedding. It can be for a birthday or just a, a weekend celebration. Yeah, um, and I've I, been so like, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, when I first started following you on Instagram, you were always selling out, so I actually never yeah. ordered. <laughs> Joy of my life. Yeah, yeah. You would always post like, oh, sorry, booked for the whole year, and I would be like, whoa, it's what? only like June. <laughs> it's hard, too, because we with, with wedding season, there's only so much I can do um, in terms of like making the cakes, decorating them, keeping the garden going, making, you know, traveling around and setting them up. So um, yeah. I, I have a limited amount of like extra little cakes I can add on, but this summer has been like, let's do this. Like yeah. I've made so yeah. many cakes. It's been so much fun. I'm like, <laughs> I never want to go back to wedding season. <laughs> this is great. I love doing I mean, the little cakes. It's- weddings can be kind of stressful. I mean, you you hear yeah. about the Godzilla weddings and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, Bridezilla, honestly, like, sorry. I, yeah, no, I mean, I feel really grateful because my clients are all really awesome people who are really into the art behind what I do and are really into the flavor. So they're like foodies and artists and musicians. And I just got the greatest clients. So I've never really had Bridezilla's and I feel so grateful for that. I think if I had you know, I've had to do the wedding shows and I wasn't connecting with these people, it might be different, but you know, I'm just really lucky. I've got great clients who are total weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Those That's are, wonderful. those are the best kinds of people to have in our lives. Yes, definitely. I think so too. I, think I, t- so too. I tell my daughter all the time that we are beautiful creatures that are total weirdos and that's who we attract. And so it's just the way it is. (laughs) I mean, that's what makes Portland so awesome too, Mm -hmm. in terms of like having a business here is I have social media and that's how I've branded myself. I've never paid for advertising. I don't have a brick and mortar. Like people know about me because of the culture that thrives here on, you know, DIY and underground and kind of like being in the know and, you know, people love the secret weird punk rock stuff. And I, I live for that. And so I feel like I've really blossomed in this kind of community here. And that's maybe special just to Portland. I don't know, maybe not. But I feel like we attract the weirdos who are like, Oh, do you know about the lady with the flower cakes? Like, 
<laughs> I got to get one of those, you know? Exactly. I think it's true. And I think, I mean, we talk about it all the time on this show because a lot of the makers are from Portland that we just have a really yeah. unique city that's very supportive. And I mean, even in the middle of a pandemic, the city is ready to support all of us and really pushing yeah. towards that. And I think other places aren't so lucky where maybe their businesses no, can't survive. And so I think we're, we are definitely in a really special place where they care about, you know, our city cares about each of us, like the people that live within it, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, when the pandemic like started, we started like instantly, like, how do I fill the coffers? Cause they just drained, right. I had to give deposits back. I, you know, all my revenue dropped. I usually live on deposits through like the early spring and we started like making the money back and like paying our bills. And we're like, okay, this business is actually doing okay. The first thing we did was like, how can we order meal kits from our friends? How do we support our restaurants? Like, how do we keep our friends alive too? Like we're going to thrive. Everyone has to thrive. And like, I'm going to go to the farmer's markets and I'm going to pre-order baked goods from places and chicken salad. And you know, like, how do we keep these guys alive? Like, especially the women owned businesses and people of color owned businesses. Like I'm like, no, this isn't going to disappear. If one of us is thriving, all of us have to thrive. Like we're going to support these guys till the end. So that's what yeah. we've continued to do, which has been awesome to see yeah. everyone still kicking butt out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's so good that we have, that we have that like in a time where we need like, good news and support. I feel like we're getting it from our community, which is really cool. I wanted to um, walk people through what it's like to get the CSA from you. Cause I think sometimes people hear CSA and they think that means that they have to like, they're used to a farm CSA where they give you $500 and you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So can can you just walk people through how they order it and what, what that process looks like and what they get? Sure. So um, I change it up every week and I post on like Thursdays, usually around noon uh, for the following Saturday delivery. Um, So people go to my website, they check out the menu. It changes every week. Um, I always have something gluten-free in there um, because so many people ask for it and I've developed a wheat allergy now. So um, I'm kind of, yeah, it's been intense anyway. Um, But aside from that, yeah. So basically people look through and they say like, Oh, this sounds good. It's 50 bucks for the week. Um, and usually you get about four to five and sometimes more pastries. And then like one item that'll kind of keep a little bit longer. So like a bag of cookies or a jar of jam or a bag of granola, like something you'd eat throughout the week and not just like all on Saturday. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, 50 bucks and people order it gets pre-ordered just you get a little confirmation email from me and then it gets delivered to your home no contact um i have a delivery driver chelsea she's amazing um and saturday morning she bops all around the city popping little bags on people's porches um with beautiful floral pastries inside so yeah that's that's, cool. that's how it goes yeah um, i love it's, it it's no contact so they just she shows up with her little mask on and you know, text you as soon as it's delivered and it's no, you know, you don't have to see anyone or do anything. It's pretty easy and you get to eat delicious pastries. I love it. So everyone go order a pastry CSA right now. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, You, so you brought up an interesting thing about, um, 
developing a gluten intolerance and Sarah is gluten-free as well. And I just want to, we don't have to talk about it forever, but just for a second, because you (laughs) are not the first baker that I know that this has happened to you. Do you think that it, it it definitely happened to me. I was like, I actually could have opened a bakery. I, during the holidays, I would bake hundreds of baked goods and, and give them to people. And I found I was eating, wheat-based food items in every meal and every snack. <laughs> yeah. That's why I probably oh developed an intolerance. And then when I, I would have a pizza and drink a beer, my legs would ache and it was just terrible. Yeah. So yeah. I went on, on one of those diets where you just limit and then I just never Bodmop, went back. Bodmop yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I did that this February. Like I hit a breaking point where the stomach pain was so bad yeah. Um, your stomach like, clenches. To, yeah, your stomach clenches. Like I, I would liken it to giving birth if I knew what that felt like. Yeah, um, I would have to agree. Excruciating. <laughs> it was excruciating. Um, to the point where I had to cancel all of my events for the entire week, and I've never had that happen before. I, I've been in discomfort before, but it was like, oh my god, there's something very wrong here, and I'm pretty sure I know what it is. But so I did the FODMAP elimination diet. Um, for about three months. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely gluten. <laughs> like I'm hundred percent sure. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. Like this past week or two weeks ago, we were on vacation and we got mussels in Coopville on Whidbey islands in an amazing restaurant called the oyster catcher, but they have a sister bakery um, called Little Red Hen, and they had the bread with the mussels, and the you bread was it. amazing. And I was like, I can't say no to this. Like, <laughs> just give me one taste. I mean, all that delicious, delicious mussel juice. You can't say no. Oh my god. Oh man, it hurt. So it hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it was so yeah. good. Oh, you don't want to know the real details of it. Yeah, you can it's, imagine. Yeah. Sometimes maybe it's worth worth it to take that take that dip in the gluten pool <laughs> before we That's move on is, um, yeah before we move oh, on sorry. from the um community supported pastry csp yeah i wanted to just commend you on the way that you manage your website because you have really thoughtful um writing and so people really? can go absolutely yes like i think thanks it's the all way, me i mean yeah the way you write on your website is so um personal that it's almost like oh, a way of brand it's a branding of yourself mm-hmm. right so it's showing people how much care you give and how genuine you genuine you are and i Thank i really you. like that i was like looking on every single page i actually cut and paste everything so i like have your life story <laughs> here but um <laughs> I love it. You could write a book. Like every time you change. I want to. She wants to. to. She wants to so bad. Cut and paste it. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's there's any um, editors out there that are looking for a wonderful, beautiful feminist pastry book, Anna is your gal. (laughs) Give her an offer right now. (laughs) Let's do this. I've got great recipes. (laughs) Stories to tell. 
And yeah. I had it had it on here as well to talk about your like your branding. Like I know that you do everything yourself, and so yeah. um, you know from the design, and you have all these beautiful books that you put together when you do because we've yeah. done so many pop up shows together, and yeah. you have books for people to I look through. It. I know I miss it too. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. Oh my god! <laughs> like I miss seeing the people. I just <laughs> wanted to go back to the way it was. <laughs> I know where we can all hang out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and trade delicious things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I think that your cakes have kept me alive at many events where I'm like working so hard and I don't eat anything, and then you're like, "Here, I have this," and I literally grab it and like shove it into my mouth. <laughs> oh God, I love it. What can I say? I'm good for that sugar boost. Can you talk about, let's talk about your garden before we go on break. So you have all edible flowers and beautiful, beautiful things that you put on your cakes. And you'd mentioned when we first started talking that it takes a lot of time. Can you tell us about like what a week (laughs) in the garden looks like for you? Yeah, I like joke sometimes that I'm like a full-time farmer, part-time chef because of the amount of work that goes into the garden. Um, I grow like 300 different varieties of edible plants and flowers myself organically. Um, My husband helps me obviously a little bit, but um, we have a whole system. Like he makes pickles for a living for Olympia Provisions. So he often comes home with a lot of organic veggie scraps and I come home with like all the eggshells and peels and we have a great compost system going. So we have a pretty healthy thriving garden. Um, it's, it's, you know, a day's work compiled together throughout the week, at least for me. Um, you know, it takes me at least two hours every other day to water it. I have to trim it back. There's always the harvesting it's, it's a ton of work, but it's so worth it because I built it into my business model for a reason. I absolutely love being in the garden. I love flowers and plants. We grow a lot of our own food. I'm really into homesteading. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big part of the business. I think people don't realize when they look at the finished product, like, oh, this was all grown like from seed. This is like you know, we have like an edible landscape on our property and um, every year it gets bigger, more elaborate. <laughs> we're crazy, I guess. So you're an urban farmer yeah. then? I guess a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't keep chickens or anything and our garden doesn't produce to the point where we could um, help anybody else eat, but it definitely is enough for us and um, it's enough for the business and then some for me. Um so yeah, it's it's a bit of an urban farm situation, I guess. Well, you fall under the pickle bill, which was passed a few years ago, which allows people who are growing things on their property to sell them without all of the required um, regulatory stuff. So oh oh, that's a thing. I know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. It's I a think thing. Wasn't, wasn't that in 2011 that that bill passed, Sarah, or something yeah, like that. And so with just a little bit of. A uh, certain kind of labeling and disclosure, you can do lots of stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've never even thought about doing anything other than the what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, um, so. With using them, to, but I can't even imagine adding anything. But um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should sell bouquets of flowers. Like, I, like I don't have enough on my plate, and <laughs> I need to do well, that. You could do clamshells of flowers. You know, just the flowers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've definitely like traded with other businesses before for flowers when they're looking for them or someone just needs a few for a cake or whatever. I'll hook people up. Um, I actually give some to florists because I'm a fr- I'm friends with a lot of florists <laughs> because of the wedding industry and yeah. because of our, you know, crazy botanical kinship. But um, so, yeah, I have a lot of florist friends that I'm like, all right, the hops are going off. Come on over. Like, get them while you can. <laughs> Do you save seeds? Yeah, totally. Okay. We save seeds. Um, I'm a seed collector. So, so um, you must I know, know Lane. Lane. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's the best thing in the world. Um, yeah. She's so amazing. Uh, yes, she's a buddy of mine for sure. She's given me many awesome seeds. Some things like have colonized the garden. She gave me some beautiful Italian uh, Biatola beet greens. And they're like, they're forever, which... <laughs> I couldn't be happier about. I mean, I love beet greens. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna, we're going to cool. take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want you to talk about your flavors of cakes because they're so, okay. um, so wonderful. Yeah, like that. <laughs> okay, fig, cool. A fig chocolate filling. What? Oh, yeah. The wine From chocolate the cake. What? Yeah. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences because food brings people together. And we're back, everybody. And I want, Anna, if you wouldn't mind talking about some of your cakes because they're so extremely complex. Um, I'm just going to say, I'm going to read off one of your last cakes that you posted about. <laughs> and I'm probably okay. going to say a lot of the things wrong, but here we go. So, <laughs> so you did a summer harvest cake. So it's a vanilla bean mm. buttermilk cake with chocolate hazelnut pot de creme spice plum jam, blackberries, espresso, whipped cream, brown butter frosting. So that is the cake itself. But then there's all these wonderful edible flowers that you grew. So there's, there's roses, dianthus. I don't even know what this is. Abitillion. Is that Uh, right? Yeah. Abutillon or flowering maple. (laughs) Flowering maple. (laughs) I'm going to say it that way. Uh, Dara marigold. (laughs) Zinnia, Cosmos, Borage, Nasturtiums, Hops, and Golden Romano beans. So all of those yeah. things you grew, and they're on this one beautiful cake. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted people to really get how much goes into each cake that you make. But so other than that flavor, can you tell us about some of the other cakes that you make? Sure. Yeah. So I kind of look at cake flavor composition like um so okay when I first got started I worked in fine dining and would do composed desserts I was like a pastry chef um before I even started sweetheart that's like what I mainly did and then worked for some other bakers too um but I always like to be extreme in my flavor (laughs) companions so um I don't know I, I I kind of have a general sense of like what goes together and when people order from me, um, I give them the option to like choose from the menu or like, you know, tell me some stuff you like, 
or like go through this list of this like crazy list of flavors and tell me what you do and don't like so I can be like very specific. And then I like surprise them with something. Um, so most of the time people choose the surprise, um, which means I get to be like an artist every single time I bake for them um, or for anyone. So uh, yeah, the, the flavor composition just comes from basically like, okay, if I was going to make a composed dessert, what elements would I want to put in there? Um, but then I put it in like a frosting shell and decorate it with flowers and it becomes a cake. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think my mind thinks in that like extreme composition kind of way where I miss doing that. Um, I have flavor ideas, filling notebooks for years when I work for other people and, you know, they're just, they're all coming into like flourishing now. Is that a word? No, fruition. Yeah, there you fruition, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fruition. Well, I think that you can really tell that you have that, um, you know, restaurant background because even, I mean, I know that you are known for making these beautiful wedding cakes, but, um, you know, the things that I have most been around are your individual pastries that you sell at like yeah. pop-up events and things. And I feel like each one is like a composed dessert that you would get at like the fanciest restaurant, you know? And so yeah. it's like, you can tell that you have that fine dining background when, when you see and taste your your food. Cause it's not like, I think sometimes when you cool. go to a, a bakery or you get something from a pastry shop, it's like, you know, just one simple thing, you know, but you, yours yeah. has so many different elements that it is like each one is this beautiful, like masterpiece, you know? So oh, thanks. Well, yeah, I'm all about more is more and less is a bore. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you, I, I like, I like it like that. <laughs> you are a spokesperson for Vitamix and they did a nice piece on you, and actually there's some video of you putting together a beautiful cake. Can you tell us about yeah. the cake and how you figured out how to have a relationship with Vitamix? Everybody loves Vitamix. <laughs> Who doesn't love Vitamix? It is, right? like, the best tool in the kitchen. I use it yes. every time I bake. Um, so, yeah, they actually approached me. They found me through Instagram. This was, I mean, that video is, like, six years old, I think. I can't even believe it. Um, and yeah, they approached me, they came to Portland and to interview me and see if it was a good fit. And we just totally hit it off. Um, I hit it off with their production team, um, right away, brought them to my house and showed them the garden. Um, and yeah, I, they just came for like, I think it was five days and filmed, uh, in my home and at my kitchen space. I have a kitchen space about three blocks away from my house, which is very convenient. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we put together a cake on site. It was really fun and it was really crazy because the night before we filmed, I got food poisoning and I don't know if you can tell in the video, but yeah, in between shots, I was like almost passing out. It was terrible, <laughs> but I think I pulled it off. Maybe it was probably your wheat. Allergy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my God, right. <laughs> that I, could, I couldn't tell at all I thought you seemed like your normal <laughs> joyful self <laughs> it was fun honestly like I, it was so much fun I it was like and Joe took the week off and we, we just had the time of our lives we really got along well with the production team and, and had a great time filming with them and they made it really easy they made me feel very comfortable because I've never like been in front of a camera before that was like what is okay there's a lady here doing my makeup and a guy with a sound pack and you know I had yeah. no idea like it's cool um, it, was, it was awesome it was so much so, fun. it was a heartbeat again 
Is that an ongoing relationship? Like, have you recontacted them and said, hey, it's time for us to update. I got some new stuff I want to share with you. No, I mean, you know, well, I, I don't know that they want to continue the relationship or anything after that commercial or I don't know. I mean, I just kind of was like, cool, I made this thing and moved on with my business. <laughs> so I don't really have an on, I don't have an ongoing relationship, but it's kind of the only video I have. So I put on my website um, of me. I, I just haven't really been featured anywhere else. So well, that's why and, it's there. And <laughs> the article they wrote about you, it's very beautiful. And they talk about how beautiful Portland is and all that stuff. But yeah. one of the things that caught my eye is that you're definitely using local suppliers. So using Bob's Red Mill. Are yeah. You still? And yeah. Larson's Creamery. Creamery is one of my personal yeah. favorites. Like when they used to Love be in Oregon that. City. Um, when I was in college in the 80s, we would actually visit the creamery and we would, um, they'd pull out 40 pound blocks of butter and we would Oh my um, God. Taste them and train on defects and learn all about butter and how to taste it. So I have fun. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. Oh they're so awesome. What a dream. So Can we go do that in France. I want to yeah, go do that right so, now. In France. <laughs> um, Sarah Marshall knows all of her farms. Do you also know people that you buy from? Uh, yeah, I, I mostly buy from um, farms on Sovie Island because it's really close to where I live in North Portland. Okay. Um, my friend, my friend Gray. Well, it's not. He's not a commercial farm in that he sells to many other people. But he sells his eggs, um, but he supplies me with all sorts of vegetables and rhubarb and plums for the pastries. Um, so yeah, I, I have kind of like direct friendship, farmer friendships. <laughs> um, and I don't really buy from anywhere south of here. Um, it's mostly like as North Portland as I can get. So and then I grow have, a lot myself. We yeah. had a um, um, TMK Creamery on our show and they are making fresh cheeses like Chef oh. and cows. You, go, you should go visit them. And oh yeah, and, and they have cows that you can pet and get your picture taken with, and they're they're called cow liberties, oh and they have cow. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and awesome. now I know you don't put beef and hot dogs in your cakes and stuff, but <laughs> now they have yes. um, fresh um, cow stuff there, like beef from the southern part of the state. So anyway, I that's thought it'd so be cool awesome. Yeah. yeah, you know, when I um, went to high school, my last two years, I went to the Putney School, mm -hmm. uh, which is a school in Vermont, um, where there's an active farm on the property that all the students work at. So I actually spend a lot of time in dairy barns and chicken barns and taking care of horses <laughs> and uh, when I was in high school. So I actually really love cows. I grew up in Vermont, um, yeah. and I have a very strong relationship with the dairy industry. <laughs> Well, listen, if you go there, they will let you pet the cows. So they're right I there. I love it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you'll have to go check it out. <laughs> hey, Anna, I, I wanted eyelashes. to... Yeah, they're so beautiful. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about when you started the business and and how that happened. What, what made yeah. you start your own? Well, um, I worked for other people for a really long time in the food industry. Um, and I I'd worked in executive positions before I moved to Portland uh, 12 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and yeah, I just, I have a pretty strong creative spirit um, that once I started working in the food industry, 
it, it's like a daily practice of being creative. And once that gets turned off and you're working for someone else for a really long time, you start to feel dead inside, I guess. Um, so I had that creative spark inside me and all these notebooks filled with ideas. Um, and I was working for another pastry chef at the time. Um, and I just, I woke up one morning and was like, if not now, then when? Um, I kind of asked myself, like, do I want to keep doing someone else's work or do I want to see if I can make it out there on my own? Um, I feel like I had something to give to the food world and I had a vision um, with flowers and just with the botanical interest in general, um, flavor wise and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, I guess that's what drove me to start it. It's just like, I can't keep working for someone else for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. I just have too much to give. Uh, I have too much, I do, I have too much exploring to do. So much um, creativity. Yeah. Just that drive to keep pushing yourself and learning and, and especially in terms of gardening and it's always been something I've done and been interested in, but um, I think knowing I'd have to be growing a certain amount to keep the business going with the format I was pushing was like a challenge for me in a way where I was like, well, can I, you know, like be the farmer and the chef at the same time. Um, so it was kind of like a personal challenge, I guess, too. Um, just wanting to push myself in that direction. And I'm pretty happy with how it's turned out. I'm feeling good about it right now. That's impressive. I think it's impressive and I think it's really inspiring because, you know, over the last Thanks, few, Sarah. yeah, of course, over the last few years, we've seen a lot of women who are starting farms, who are into farming. And it's the same with like, you know, restaurant industry, farming, they're not typically, um, you know, roles and businesses that women are doing, or at least that they're not, yeah. you know, you don't see it often, but I think in Portland, that's different. So, you know, we've really tried to source from, as some of our older farmers have retired, we've really been seeking out female farmers that we can source from because awesome. we want to support them. And it's, it's over the years, we've seen more and more. And I really think, I know you don't think of yourself as a farmer, but you totally are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you... Um, you are growing these beautiful botanical edible things that no one else is growing. And even though you're not selling yeah. them to anyone, you're using them and you're sharing them with the world and you work really hard to do that. So, you know, yeah. don't discount what you're doing. You're farming yeah. girl. Exactly. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that in the springtime <laughs> when we're, you know, turning over beds and amending and getting everything planted. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big job. I, I, it's like why when people come, when I do markets, RIP, I'm wishing I still did, but um, when I do markets and I'm talking to people about what I do, I tell them like, yeah, I grow everything myself because I feel like that's a big part of what the art is, you know, like I'm making the medium myself in, in a lot of ways and I, it's fun. It's a big part of it. It's the heart of it. You know, it's what inspires me with the flavors. It's what inspires me with the art behind it and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I can't imagine doing anything else at this point, honestly. <laughs> you should think about maybe getting one of those, um, you can get a little bit larger freeze dryer and you could harvest flowers and freeze dry them. And so oh, yeah. you, could, you could use them during the non-producing season and still have I do. Yeah, yeah, I actually do. I have like a whole drying 
flower. Um, <laughs> where oh, I, yeah, every flower, yeah, every flower that doesn't get um, put on a cake, if it's not composted, it gets dried. Um, so I have like a collection, this crazy collection, <laughs> um, and they're all in little like you know uh, Ziploc bags. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's every flower I grow, but dried. So I, that's what I use in the off season with all the herbs that are still kicking around in the garden. And, and then, you know, when spring pops around, you start to forage. Um, there's a large, there's a large section of time when I'm foraging in the spring from neighborhood apple trees and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can come, um, forage on my apple trees because even though I'm like this <laughs> well-known canner, I like have, I just let them fall to the ground and I don't do anything. What? With you them. Have what? Apple trees? <laughs> I have so many. You didn't tell me that. Uh, I, I know. I even bought what? a press. Because well, the thing that happens is that this is what happens every year. So, so, you know, yeah. the apples are falling from my trees, but this is my busiest time to put up yeah, all my produce time. for my business. Oh, yeah. And so I, I can't sell what I make with the apples, but I can sell sauces. So this oh, yeah. is it's what I have to be doing. What do you mean? So, you can use the pickle bill. I know I could, <laughs> but I just, I know I love, Come on, I, love the pickle. I love the pickle bill. You do have to do that. Now I'm going to have to bug you about that. <laughs> you should the keep bugging me, Sarah. Bushel, you can just, this is the thing yeah, I love about bag. you. You push me, push me to do it. I can do it. I can always do it. Of course, I'll come and harvest them for you. <laughs> All right, go I on. love it. Starting a new thing, everybody. Here we go. Sarah's apples. Look out, farmer's market. Candied apple rings. Pickled candy apple rings for your holidays. Ooh, yum. Mm-hmm. That Ooh, sounds pickled good, apples, that'd be yummy. Spicy yeah. pickled apples. Mm-hmm. Oh, See, yeah. We already figured it out for you. Thank you. <laughs> done and done, Sarah. <laughs> so, Anna, you're our first guest that's an active baker. And so yeah. I, I know that you bakers live on a different schedule. So what is it? Yeah. What's a day like for you? Well, you know, I share a kitchen. I share a commercial kitchen space. Um, so that means that I do have kind of limited production hours. So it actually, my days change every single week, depending on what I need to get done and what my orders are for that week. It's never the same. It's not like a wholesale bakery. Um, but yeah, I, I usually, uh, on the weekdays, um, when I'm doing production, it's garden and emails in the morning. Um, and then I go into the kitchen in the afternoon and early evening to do any work that needs to get done for the, all of the, the shares and the cakes and stuff like that. Um, and then on the weekends, you know, I get up at four in the morning on Saturday to execute all the pastries for the share, um, set them all up. And then um, my delivery person comes and picks them up at 830 in the morning and delivers them all over Portland. Um, but during the week, if I have cakes, I deliver them myself. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a harebrained schedule i (laughs) i have just changed it to where now i have mondays free um so that i can spend more time with my dog and (laughs) spend more time answering the emails that i can never get to all the time um so yeah it's it's fluctuated my whole career but that's the basic week in anna right now um yeah, I work like Tuesday, Wednesdays, like one to seven in the kitchen and then Thursday nights and then Friday mornings and then Saturday mornings. It's kind of wacky. <laughs> well, a lot of times when you did events and things, you would have to get up 
super early. Yeah. Right. And so, yep. I mean, that's like, yeah. the, that's usually the bakery lifestyle is that you're starting, totally. you're starting your day about when I'm ending mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. For, like right now, 4am is, mm-hmm. is pretty much when I get up every Saturday and it's really not, I mean, it seems early, but it's really not that early. There's actually this whole like study done on 4am. It's like this, um, particular time in the like human body schedule where we can be very productive. Uh, anyway, look it up yeah. online. It's I cool. always, <laughs> I always say I get my best work done from like midnight to 4am. Yeah. So that's when I'm like, cause you know, I have to be, especially now like home with my family in the day. And so I'm like working now in the evenings, which is usually after I put my daughter to bed. So it's like, I'm, people are always like, why are you still up? I'm like writing emails at 2 a.m. I'm like, this is my prime time. This is like the middle of my work day. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 When it's hot in the summer, I'm always glad. I'll like flip my schedule and do emails in the afternoon. And I always try to keep it, you know, the emails is just the hardest part of the business for me. There's just no, I mean, I can never get to everyone and I'm just not good at it. Uh, you know, I've, I've realized I'm like, I tried. I think you would be, I mean, I know, of course, it's hard to hire someone and you are just hiring yeah. someone to help you with deliveries right now, but an, yes. assi- an assistant <laughs> to help you with emails would be a really good idea for you. I <laughs> really you would about, love it. Have you thought yeah. about having a brick and mortar, small little bakery so you can have people come in? You know, and it's buy. funny. Um, I actually went down the road of almost opening um, a small bakery in St. John's. Um, and the day, yeah, Tulip, RIP. Um, there's, there's a new one though. Um, Sparrow, is that right? Swallow? Swallow. I think it's Swallow. Ah, sorry. I don't know, but there's a new one that's supposed to be really good. Anyway, um, I was about to sign like all of the contract and lease paperwork to start it. Um, and the election happened. It was like November 7th or 8th. Um, And the next day was the day I was supposed to like sign off on it. And I just, I don't know if it was like a deep depression and despair and just feeling like unknowing going into 2016 with Donald Trump elected that I was just like, I don't think this is the right move for me. Um, And it all kind of came to a head and I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this and this isn't for me. And I, ever since then, I felt a huge weight lifted off my chest. Um, even though I know that's what people want a lot of times. And I get asked all the time, when are you going to open a bakery? Like I'll invest or like, please open a bakery. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't really want to manage staff. And I, I just love having the way I'm doing it right now. I get to have kind of like a wild free lifestyle and, you know, take weeks off enough if I need them. And I'm not worrying about people leaving and having, having to retrain or the building getting sold. And there's just such, there's so much that goes behind having a brick and mortar that can be a real drag. And I just don't want that in my life. I feel bad for everyone who wants that from me, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> well, I think it's good that you know that and can like yeah. set, set that boundary with everybody to be like, nah, this is my thing. Like I, that's not something I'm working towards. It's like the hardest thing about um, when you have a business, people always want to tell you what to do with it. And it's a lot of yeah. times the opposite of what you want. So now I just know to like, listen and be like, oh, cool. Great idea. And cool, then just thanks. be like, hmm. No, I know what I really want to do. <laughs> it's so 
I feel like, you know, people always have this idea of growth for a business. And I really think that this is maybe going to be a change for the future for all of us, and especially in the food industry, that growth doesn't necessarily have to mean franchising, getting a million sprinters and staff and, you know, spreading it everywhere, but maybe growing your career or, you know, doing less work for more money. I mean, in my head, growth is writing cookbooks and teaching classes and, you know, teaching people what I know, like that's where I'd like to go with my career. I don't, I don't want to have a fleet of delivery vehicles and be making everybody's cake in Portland. Like that's not my vision. You know what I mean? I, I love that every piece is a piece of art. I love that every piece is unique and special. I don't want it to be mass produced. Um, So it's, you know, I think I do take people's advice when they tell me something that I'm like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I've learned to just shut out like, I I want you to do this. And like, I can't wait for to see this from you. And I'm like, that's not what I want. And okay, cool. Like, I'm glad you see that vision for me, but like, I got my own trip. (laughs) I got my own trip I'm on, you know? Yeah, I think that's good. And I, we're, we're very, very close to running out of time. So this kind of fits into one of our final questions, which is, um, do you have any advice for aspiring food entrepreneurs? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. That's a really hard question, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, you know, be open-minded to change. I think what I learned from when I first started my business is sometimes the first go around isn't what's going to stick and you have to be open to what, you know, what you become, um, as you become more engaged and knowledgeable in your craft, you have to be open to what people want from you, but not just do everything that comes your way. Um, I think sticking true to who yourself, who you are and what your art is, that's really important. Um, I think that if I had listened to everybody, I'd have a very different business than I have now. If I, you know, I was given a lot of advice when I first started and a lot of people were just like, whatever you do, don't do this, you know, and it scared me. It really scared me. And I think if I just had allowed myself to be like open-minded from the get-go, like, hey, this may turn into something else. And when I first started Sweetheart, I had no idea in a million years I'd be making wedding cakes or birthday cakes or, you know, having the garden that I have now. But look where I am now. You know, I, I was open to the process. I let the business evolve and I didn't let anyone else dictate who I was. I think that's my advice. That's good advice. I think it's great. <laughs> so good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So I have one last question. Do you make gluten-free cakes then? I'm working on it, sister. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, you know, I've developed some good cookies. Um, I've got some some good other gluten-free items. I just got a good galette dough going, which I'm really excited about. Cakes are the trickiest part. Cakes yeah. are really, really hard. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just trying to uh, figure it out so that I can okay. give birthday cakes to people who are gluten-free because, girl, I know. I, it's like just traveling recently. I was like, I got to bring all my own sweets with me. Because I don't know what's going to be there. What if it's going to be bad? Yes. So I'm working on it. That's the answer. (laughs) Okay. I love it. 
Well, Anna, we always want to send people to you directly. So right now, the best way for people to support your business is to go to your website and buy your pastry CSA, right? So everybody go to sweetheartstjohns.com, right? That's the place. Okay. (laughs) So everyone do that. And we are so glad that you joined us today. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it's been so awesome. I'm glad to finally meet you also. Now I have to plan to order a cake from you. Oh my God, likewise, Sarah. It's been awesome meeting you. Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store with 10 stores in Oregon. It's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, and cheesemongers, and florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and our customers live and work. To find the Market of Choice nearest you, please visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local, so you can too. We record the Meaningful Marketplace live every week. Tune in Fridays at 9 a.m. at startupradionetwork.com or find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show or you have news for us, submit those at startupradionetwork.com and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production, Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.